Hello, and welcome to the Riveting Reads podcast, where each season brings you a serialized version of thrilling news stories along with exclusive bonus content from the author. This is season one, Insomnia, book one of the Nightwalker series by J.R. Johansson, narrated by Roy Samuelson. New episodes are posting weekly on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Stick around after today's chapter for some author insights into the writing process behind this chapter with Insomnia's author, J.R. Johansson. Hi, I'm J.R. Johansson, and I'm here to give you a quick recap of Episode 6, Chapter 6 of Insomnia. This episode started off with the assembly where Megan, actually Mia, was introduced as the new star of the girls' soccer team for Oakville High. The episode actually starts directly after that, when they're heading into the soccer meeting hosted by Jeff Sparks and Parker. At the meeting, they decide to have some joint practices with the boys and girls soccer team. At the end of the chapter, we see Parker using his gift for manipulation to his advantage. Parker needs to retake a test, and he uses the fact that his teacher would like to go on a second date with his mother as leverage to get him to let him take that test again. And that's your recap of chapter six. Stick around now for chapter seven. Hope you enjoy. Insomnia, The Nightwalkers. Written by J.R. Johansson. Narrated by Roy Samuelson. Seven. Thor was right behind me on my way out to practice. Like, right behind. So close he felt like a shadow. I slowed down for a minute to walk beside him, but when he glared at me with his little black eyes, I decided it probably wasn't worth the effort. I jogged the rest of the way to the field. That's fun. You got to hang with Thor, Finn said with a chuckle when I stopped beside him and Thor ran past us to the bag of soccer balls near the goalpost. You guys do anything new, or did he follow the normal routine and act like he wanted to put you in a blender? Pretty much the usual though this time he mixed things up a bit and hinted about a pitchfork and a set of steak knives. Finn laughed. No actual threats this time? No actual conversation? Sounds about right. Finn nodded as he adjusted his shin guard. I took a deep breath and relaxed my muscles. Soccer was my primary escape. On the field, I could be normal. Adrenaline kicked in and kept me awake. Muscle memory made everything fluid and easy. It didn't feel like my mind and body were at war when I played. I didn't have to think. We were the first ones on the field, but most of the girls' team was heading out the doors toward us. I strained to find Mia and spotted her coming out last. All the other girls were talking and laughing, but Mia was alone, until Addie jogged over from the side of the field and walked with her. Great, just what I needed them to become best friends. Within a few minutes, everyone was on the field, and they were all looking at me. I groaned. Jeff seemed to be late to everything. The coaches weren't even on time. Okay, let's start with some laps. Three around the field, and then five sprints from goal to goal. Everyone started running, and I caught up with Mia near the front of the group. Did I hear right that they appointed you team captain as a sophomore? Did you come from some kind of top-secret Olympic training school? Probably. She laughed and then grimaced. But I think it had more to do with Jeff coming in and telling them to make me captain. I wish he wouldn't do that. 
A couple of girls from the team last year pushed past Mia and she stumbled into me. Before I could even try to help, she caught her balance and kept going, her chin high and her jaw clenched. He's really not doing me any favors. Yeah, I can see that. We ran another lap in silence before I couldn't stop myself from asking. So, what was the name of this Olympic training school? I feel like I should check it out. She smiled, but kept her eyes on the ground and didn't respond. Sorry if I'm getting too personal. I'm just curious. No worries. Mia sprinted away before I could finish my sentence. I cursed under my breath. The last thing I wanted was to scare her off. Not before I could learn what I needed to know about her. Why her dreams were so unique. If she had any odd pre-bedtime rituals I should know about. Admittedly, awkward questions. But it didn't matter. She wouldn't even give up what high school she used to go to. The girl was a vault. By the time everyone finished running sprints, the coaches and Jeff had shown up. Jeff paired each of our starters with two girls and had them run drills while we gave them tips and feedback. He put me with two sophomores I vaguely remembered from junior high, Kim and Christina. They both had played in city leagues for fun, but never competitively. I taught them a few of my best trapping tricks and then had them try to pass the ball back and forth as they dribbled past me without my stealing it. They got it past me the first two times until I learned their moves. Then I took it three in a row. All right, I give. Kim sat on the ground next to the ball and glared at me. How do you always know when we're going to pass it? It's like you're a mind reader. I stopped in front of her and extended a hand. Easy, I'll teach you. She looked skeptical, but she grabbed on and I helped her to her feet. Now, watch. Christina, try to get it past me. Christina approached and dribbled the ball back and forth. I watched her movements and followed with my body, letting my muscles take over. You watch her feet, but it isn't her feet that will tell you where she's going. Christina moved left, but at the last moment, dodged right and sent the ball directly into my extended foot. She shook her head as the ball bounced back behind her. It's her eyes. I turned back to Kim, but realized both teams had gathered up and most were listening to me. I closed my mouth and looked at Coach Mahoney to see what we were doing next. What's her eyes? Kim asked. Both coaches were talking in muted tones to each other, so they simply nodded for me to continue. Well, she won't make a move blind. If you watch her eyes, you can see where she's probably heading. I turned back to Christina and gestured for her to come at me again. This time, watch the upper body. She moved toward me and fainted to the opposite side this time. Again, I stopped the ball and sent it flying back behind her. See how she tilts just before she shifts? If her upper body and her eyes say she's going right, well, then she's going right. Everyone was silent as I went after the ball I had just sent toward the bleachers. Then I heard Coach Mahoney yell, Pair up, practice anticipating your partner's moves. Just before I got to the ball, Addie scooped it up and handed it to me. That was pretty good. You almost sound like you know what you're doing. I smiled. I almost do know what I'm doing. Glancing out at the field, I saw Mia running drills with Jeff on the far side. She was really good, but so was he. Neither of them seemed able to get it past the other. I turned back to Addie, but she had already walked away. 
I worked with Christina and Kim for the next 30 minutes, and by the end, they were taking the ball from me as easily as I had been taking it from them. The girls' team was much better than I had expected. There was no reason they couldn't do as well as the boys' team this year. They just needed to figure out how to work together. And a few new tips didn't seem to hurt. Mia was definitely the best they had, though. If anyone could gain the respect of the team, she could. Although, the way Jeff forced her in as captain wasn't going to make that easy. After another 30 minutes of drills, Addie showed us a few good stretches, and the coaches sent us off to the locker room. You really think they can do it? Addie asked, coming up beside me. Finn joined us on my other side. Do what? I watched Mia's brown head bobbing a few feet ahead of me, and I knew I had to catch up with her somehow. Do you think the girls can win this year? Sure, why not? I think running drills against the reigning champion boys team that people never stop talking about and seeing that they can keep up with them just fine is going to help. Sometimes you just need to have a little confidence in yourself. These joint practices were a good idea. Addie looked at me and smiled. I shrugged. Meet you guys inside. Sprinting through the school doors, I took a quick sip from the water fountain and looked up, just in time to catch Mia's eye on her way into the locker room. My timing was perfect. She smiled, and then she was gone. I couldn't help the huge grin that spread across my face as I slid on my sunglasses. Finn and Addie stood back near the doors waiting for the crowd to clear. I took another sip from the fountain before turning back to face them. I had done it. All I had to do was make it home without making eye contact with anyone else, and I'd see if Mia's dreams were the same tonight. See if she really could be the answer I'd hoped she was. Stop it, Finn said as he passed me. You look goofy. Addie's smile fell from her face, and she fought against the current of soccer players to get back out the door. I could barely make out her voice as she muttered something about waiting at the car. The moment I entered her dream, I felt peace. For the first time in years, I let the hope of a different life make me feel better, instead of dreading the disappointment it inevitably brought with it. This one wasn't quiet like her first dream. I could hear waves crashing violently, but it still soothed me. The water rolled over my frayed nerves and the knots in my back. The air tasted like the ocean. Salty and wet. My eyes opened on an angry sky above a cliff. The churning ocean was far below. Across the bay perched a beautiful white lighthouse. The small windows were framed in navy, and the light cut through the fog like a scalpel. My sense of touch came to life, and I felt the stone beneath my feet settle into place. Even though the scene was entirely different from her previous dream, it still only had one layer. Everything felt so real without all the other layers creating chaos in the background. It was so similar to reality that I was almost certain I'd be able to sleep again. Then, the diluted sadness flowed through me. I turned, searching for Mia. She stood behind me, again wearing the same white sundress. It whipped violently around her legs in the wind. It was a different setting, but everything else was the same. Strange, everything about her dreams seemed to break the rules I had learned. An easel 
identical to the one in her previous dream, stood before her. She squinted at the lighthouse and bit her lip, then picked up a paintbrush and stuck the end in her mouth with a sigh. I moved to see the painting. Again. Blank. She stood motionless. Her expression held so much frustration, it was almost painful to watch her. For a moment, I wished she could see me, so I could ask her what was bothering her. But it was a dream. Her irritation and sadness probably weren't even based on an actual real-life problem. Besides, I knew why I was here, and I needed to know for sure if it would work again. I looked around for a place to sleep. Excitement flowed through me, washing bits of Mia's gloom away. The most likely spot was near a rocky overhang where dark green vines covered the ground. They curled and twisted in around themselves, hiding from the rough weather. I felt them experimentally with my feet. They were soft, with no needles or thorns. I reclined on the vines, the overhang shielding me perfectly from the wind. The sight of Mia, frowning at her painting, was the last thing I saw before exhaustion crashed over me like one of the rough waves far below, and I tumbled into the deep sleep I longed for. Thanks for listening to the Riveting Reads podcast, Season 1, Insomnia. New podcast episodes will be available every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. If you're not the patient type and want the full book now, you can find the audiobook on Audible Podcasts or the paperback version on Amazon. Stick around for some author insights from J.R. Johansson about the chapter featured in this episode. Hi, I'm J.R. Johansson, and welcome to the Authorly Insights section on Chapter 7. Dreams have always been a really fascinating topic for me. We see Mia's second dream here with a repeating pattern. It's a different setting, but otherwise it's very much the same. I had a repeating nightmare growing up. It was about aliens attacking, and I was trapped in my house looking for my family. The power was out, and I searched through every room upstairs looking for anyone in the darkness. Finally, I remember I saw my brother hiding in a corner, but when I got to him, he was dead. Then I woke up. It was a terrifying dream, and I don't know why, but it was the only repeating dream I've ever had. In my research for this book, I realized that repeating dreams are actually very rare. I think I was around eight or nine years old when I started having it, but I still remember it vividly. I don't know. Have you ever had a repeating dream? Was it a nightmare? Because I think maybe the trauma of it is part of the reason that it repeats. I'm not sure on that. Send me a message. Let me know on Instagram, Twitter, at JR Johansson. It's kind of a working theory at this point, but I, I feel like this is a thing we should discuss. Dreams really can affect us, especially when they're that powerful or that disturbing. Mia's dreams are obviously different for a reason. Mia is different for a reason. But why she is? That's part of the mystery. That's it for the Authorly Insights on Chapter 7. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy what we're doing here. And if you do, tell your friends about it. Help us grow. I will see you next episode. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Riveting Reads. 
Please check out the details for our reader appreciation program in the podcast notes or on rivetingreadspodcast.com. Also, a reminder that we're still a new podcast and we would love to hear from you. Please subscribe as well as rating and reviewing in your podcast app. Thanks, and we'll see you in a few days for the next episode.